Welcome. Welcome once again, Kayleen McCaw here, coming to you from the heart of Wildwood Gardens. Time for another journey into the mystic. I send out the carrier wave to activate the field. These sound waves have the same quality as our human biofield, as the energy field that surrounds the earth and their coherence is an amazing quantum tool for delivering intention. So I deliver into the midst of us the intention that we drink from the cup of joy, from the light of eternal truth, that all of the helpers that we don't know how to understand are present with us. And the great news is we don't have to understand it because help is still available. I reach out to the higher guidance systems that join us all together and say, we are ready to find some truth in the midst of chaos. So joining me today is an old friend, sometime colleague, one of my theater peeps, who uh, we've sung duets and played together and had great times on stage, and somebody who also shares uh, my enthusiasm for mental explorations. His name is Will Horton. And there he is. Hello, everyone. Glad Hello. to be here. So give me just a, a quick rundown of your credentials so I don't miss something. Well, um, I'm a alcohol of certified master level addiction counselor. That's how I got into this whole field. I, I had an addiction. It took away my acting career in LA and New York. Mm. And then once I sobered up, I became an alcohol and drug counselor, started helping people, loved it. And then I stumbled into NLP and hypnosis, neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis. And because I had some government money from the Veterans Administration left, I went back to school and they paid for my I've got a master's in psychology and I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. Uh, so I'm a psychologist and author, I've written several books on mind control, NLP hypnosis, and my clinical specialties, addictions and, and how the mind works. Nice. So that's kind of a quick background. And I know you from theater. I still do theater. I direct mostly in community theater now. And uh, uh, last few years, I got into doing film, whole different animal. So it was like, this is freaking me out. So. It is completely different, isn't it? Yeah. Wonderful. Well, so the reason that I remembered, it's like, I know somebody who does that is on the, um, well, let's just call it the tinfoil hat spectrum of current worldviews. People are beginning to discuss this whole idea of neuro-linguistic programming, although not in any depth. You just kind of see those letters NLP attached to different stories about you know what's going on and boy there are a lot of stories and you know the crazy thing is that as far as i understand it some of the weirdest most unbelievable stuff is what's actually true but that's neither here nor there because nobody's going to be convinced i don't think by anything that we say today so i would like to pick your brain um as far as just what this thing is and, and how it works. Because the way it's coming into the conversation is that we have been neuro-linguistically programmed. 
And if you don't know that it's possible and you don't know what it is, then you kind of lose agency of your own human experience. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, well, NLP, neurolinguistic programming, is like high-tech hypnosis. That's the way I describe it. It's how your brain works, not why. And it is very powerful, very powerful. And what scares a lot of people is when you learn it, um, it's much like hypnosis and other things, Reiki, all these, you know, EFT, all these really, if you want to call them avant-garde, even though they have been studied and it's empirically proven to work. But anyway, it's not in the traditional realm. And when you first start talking about this, it's kind of interesting because then people think, oh, well, all the psychologists know about it or all the medical doctors or all the psychiatrists. I, that's not true. Mm. You know, I know many psychologists that got into NLP later because they don't teach it in, in psych school. They just don't. You know, they'll call it a voodoo science. They'll call it, you know, whatever. Even though my big argument is, I don't want to sound like Tom Cruise, you know, classic psychology gives you insight. It does not give you change. That's my big, you know, you can be in therapy. And my evidence for that is Woody Allen in therapy for 40 years. He marries his daughter and then his two therapists show up at his at his wedding i don't know about you if i was his therapist i would fire myself if you married your daughter i don't care if she is your stepdaughter it's like i failed you son yeah <laughs> so anyway but nlp is how your brain works let me tell you i could talk about it but it's easier to describe yeah if you want to uh, uh get an experience of it if you would just do this for me uh uh lovely kayleen if you close your eyes and think about somebody you really like a buddy, a pal, a friend, a colleague, somebody you really like, not a lover or spouse, just like, I like this person. Well, I like hanging out with them, right? And let them pop into your mind, let them pop into your mind. And there'll be a visual image. Maybe you see them or an image, whatever it is, hear sounds. But if they were, if you were surrounded by a grid pattern, where would this person be? Right in front of you, to the left, to the right, point to where this person is. Just kind of physically point, kind of in front of you, up a little bit. Great. Now open your eyes. Now close your eyes. Close your eyes again. Now think about a cer certain person you don't like. Mm -hmm. You know, they're a pain in the butt. Not that you wish them well, but you, I don't like them. I avoid bleh, that person. Mm -hmm. Let them pop into your mind. Now, where are they at? They'll take a different space. They're over there. Now, want to have some fun? Close your eyes. Tell your brain it's okay. Grab that person you don't like with one hand and slide them to the spot of the person you like. And now drop it. See what your brain says. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Did your brain kind of say, no, doesn't feel right? Um, not really, because I've been practicing that stuff for a while. But I'm totally familiar with the resistance that you're talking about. Yeah, well, because so, it's, it's, it's how your brain sorts information. You know, it's kind of like why we grew up here and things our parents would say, watch out who you hang out with, right? Because if you're a troublemaker and you're hanging out with a trouble, if you're not a troublemaker, you hang out with a troublemaker, people are going to assume you're a troublemaker. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, yeah. So it's just the way people's brains work. It's pre-conscious. It's beyond the conscious awareness. And that's where the power is. So if we know that, we begin to move things around in your brain, right? You can, you can influence people maybe or maybe not. And, and that's the programming part of your brain. The linguistic part is as hum humans uh, live their world through language now. Right. We live our world through language. So, and people act like, one of the most misunderstood things people say there's, there was a, supposedly a study done, it's not true, that said only like 7% of your communication is verbal. Most of it's nonverbal. That, excuse me, that's bullshit. It, it is not true. 
no. The guy that came up with it said, you, take, you took this out of context. Words matter, right? They're at least 50% of your communication, right? Uh, if not more, depending on some other things. Because if words didn't matter, you know, the great speeches in history wouldn't be remembered as great speeches in history, right? right. And, but the power of it is, 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 I'll give you a political example, since, you know, if you want to talk about the 10 head community, but it works. There's a guy, he's a consultant to one of the parties, but for years, for years, they tried to get rid of the inheritance tax, mm -hmm. right? And they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it, right? It was, you know, unearned income, you know, why shouldn't they pay their fair? It just didn't work. And there were a lot of factors going on, but the biggest, they brought in a guy who tested a few things and he started calling it the death tax, uh, yeah. right? So not only do they tax you when you're alive, they're going to tax you when you're dead. Change the debate overnight. Even people that stood on the thing going, you're never going to get rid of this. This is what equalizes the economy. Da, 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 da. Suddenly, how do you, it was hard to vote to keep the death tax. Right. And so that little linguistic quiz, people go, oh yeah, that's right. And that's, you know, so when you see that kind of stuff, it, it can influence people. And that's where people go, it, but it's usually people that misunderstand it. They think you can get people, well, you can't get people to take all kinds of action. We're seeing that in the real world right now. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like, you know, are people using this? Well, yeah, because it works. You know, it works. Uh, quick story. In 1988, Bill Clinton gave a speech at the Democratic National Convention. He was the keynote speaker, which is, that's where they put the person they want to run president later on, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's, a, it's, your, it's your moment in the sun. He bombed. He sucked. Everybody forgets that. That was a horrible speech. He went on too long. It was very, don't forget, he's a Rhodes Scholar with an IQ of about 170. It was detail-oriented. It was, it was, what do they call, a wonk kind of. If you're into that, you loved it. Everybody else turned the TV off after 15 minutes. And many people said his career was dead, right? He couldn't come back from this. Well, then he went and studied neurolinguistics, how it works. And, he, and supposedly he hung out with certain people that everybody credits Tony Robbins. He was one of them, but there was a few other people. And they started teaching him how to use his intellect to communicate differently, right? And so when he came back, he was Bill Clinton. I, I feel your pain. Let mm -hmm. me help you. And, and then- Saxophone on TV. Yeah, everything and all that structured. That is like, wow, right? And, you know, does it work? Yes. You know, how does it not work? Right. Mm -hmm. A few years ago, 2007, I wrote a, I wrote a, a paper, how Barack Obama was using NLP and hypnosis in his speeches. Mm -hmm. My part of it was very, I was, I wasn't partisan. I didn't care. I'm just, a, this is how he's doing it. This is why it works. This is what's going on. The repetitive phrase, you know, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. His whole thing on hope. I mean, he studied this stuff intensely. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, and in fact, one of his favorite books is a book called The 48 Laws of Power by Green, which says how to influence people, right? You might have that book. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, you know, and, and so I wrote it, but the guy that co-wrote it with me was much more partisan than me. So it came across as a very part, like this was evil, but I got a lot of interviews and it would depend on who's interviewing me. They're like, isn't this bad that he's using this to influence people? I go, no, that's called communication. Right. You know, that's what everybody, Reagan did it. You know, he, you know, certain people do it better than others. Right. And so, 
you know, it's like in, in, in the Bill Clinton example, uh, he learned this little technique. He'd always go, you know, like this, I feel your pain thing. And he would connect with great, and everybody would connect with him, mm-hmm. right? And so there's that. And Barack Obama had that, you know, yes, we can hope. You know, I remember he, at his, uh, when he took the nomination the first time, stood in a spotlight and part of it was down on him. And he, he had this motion, he goes, there'll come a moment when, when, I'll, when, when you will be enlightened. And he did uh-huh. this motion. And you will say to yourself, I have, and he took his hand onto the podium, you ha- I have to vote for Barack Obama. Wow. Now, if you just break that statement down, it's saying a lot, right? First of all, you're enlightened if you vote for him. So what's that say if you choose not to vote for him? Right. You just Not as anything. It was, I don't like his policy. No, no, it's because you're not enlightened. Exactly. Right? And, and yeah, you're, you're, you're hitting on something that uh, I think is really important here. It's kind of the subtext of this is that, the programming works because it's attached to deeply held emotional truths. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the death tax. Well, death is scary, so it has to be bad. Well, it's enlightened to like me, so you know, I want to be, I want to be smart, so I better like you. Um, and these, these correlations that come up, and they, they just seem to slip underneath the rational mind. Oh yeah. Well, and like what we're seeing in the world right now with the with the with the lockdown, I still call it house arrest. Um, but um, you know, they tried a few things, and eh, they were getting blowback. And suddenly, when they hit on this, the idea that we're in this together, which is a good idea. So, oh, see, we're in this together. Then they they really started hammering, "You will die alone. You will die alone." or your loved ones will die alone. And they kept stressing that over and over again. That is a terrifying, it activates your reptilian brain, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then all of a sudden, you know, it, it, things I never thought I would see in my lifetime became easy, you know? Randomly closing businesses, deciding who's essential, what's not, you know? I mean, I will get somewhat political. I say, you still can't explain to me why being on the beach was bad, but going to a Walmart with a thousand people was copacetic. Or a liquor store. Or liquor, liquor. Yeah, yeah. That's an essential, yes. Yeah. And so, so anyway, but it worked because people were so scared. And then, and I don't think the government did it, by the way. I, have no, I think the government's been playing catch up through this whole thing. They don't know what's going on. It was driven by the media because it kept people glued to CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, whatever you watch. You couldn't turn the TV off. And, you know, they would, and it kept, and it's constant repetition, real hypnotic over and over and over that, again. That's it. Yeah, it is. It's like, a, it's a trans induction. And I'm willing to stipulate for the sake of argument that we got in this fix we're in just, you know, that it's more criminal incompetence than criminal intent, that just the slippery slope of, well, we will, because advertisers never lied about the fact that they adopted the techniques of Nazi mind control to sell us toothpaste because it works, precisely because you say they never said anything otherwise, they just did it. And then now we're at a place where many generations have been raised by a community of advertisers that is creating consumers instead of by a community of elders who is creating good human beings. So we've, we've become something different than we think we are. It's the way it seems to me. Is that? Oh yeah. And it's, it's like you say, this, the slippery slope, you know, and it's the constant repetition and we've replaced community with 
television and, and, and you know, uh, people don't gather. And if there was any malintent to everything, one of the things that social uh, forced isolation, I refuse to call it social distancing, forced isolation does is put you in a state of panic. Mm -hmm. There is a reason why in the Geneva Convention, you know, putting people in solitary confinement is a war crime. Right. You can only do it for a short period of time. And I worked in prisons and that was a lot of their guys' biggest fear. Don't put me in solitary. You know, true solitary where very, very little human contact. This is a little bit removed, you know, but it makes people much more malleable because when you're under stress, you look for strength. You look for um, 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 someone to tell you what to do. Right. You know, and so that's kind of what's going on. And it's just how your brain works. It's, it's, it's not right. It's not wrong. But if, if they know how to do it, like you say, advertisers, when I, when a kid, you know, when I meet a young person, they say, I want to study psychology. Why do you want to study psychology? Well, there's two reasons people want to study psychology. One is there's something wrong with them and they think taking a psych class will fix them. Right. And I always say, no, son, get therapy. Or two, they want to learn how to mess with people. Mm -hmm. And I say, if you want to learn how to mess with people, study marketing. Because mm -hmm. they influence more people than everybody else, right? Right? Is a BMW twice as good as a Kia? I mean, as a car, if you get in and drive, is it real? No, but people pay it because it's the ultimate driving machine, you know? Yeah, and my favorite is, is people who will spend uh, $50 on a tube of lipstick mm -hmm. instead of five because, you know, it just makes me feel so expensive, <laughs> so valuable. Right. right. And a lot of that works on, it's called your reticular activating system, mm -hmm. right? And for your people watching or listening that don't know, your reticular activating systems, it's a ganglion nerve right on top of the, where the spine comes into the head. And it senses out all the information in the world. It developed for eons to keep us alive. Human beings are not good creatures in the wild, right? It's why we need community. It's why we need groups. You know, the whole idea of a lone wolf, even though it's attractive in literature and movies, it doesn't work in the real world. You die, right? So you want community. And so it developed on through time to do two things. A, find allies, and B, find threats. It's, that's, that's all it does, right? And so it'll look for threats, it'll look for allies. Well, we don't have the threats, you know, the lions, the tigers, the bears, the warring tribes like we used to. And uh, our ally, the way we find allies has shifted. So this brain has adapted to help you find things. That's why if, let's say, you wanted a new car, I'm a guy, so I always default to cars. Uh, if you want a new car and you don't know what kind of car you want yet, you're looking at this car, you're looking at that car, you look, suddenly you say, I want a Corvette. Mm -hmm. You'll see a Corvette everywhere you look. The day before, you wouldn't have noticed it because you told your brain that, find me a Corvette, it'll start finding it, right? Same if you're, if you're uh, if whatever type of person you find attractive, you know, you will see that type of person in a group. Mm -hmm. You won't notice the other people. Now, that person you find attractive because of the physical look may not be, you know, the best for you. And then it's that, it's that whole thing. It's just like deep in your brain, right? And I love this when people start really, and you could do this, there's a mathematical formula. You take all the top stars, they fit, there's, throw out a few of the offsets, they fit a parameter, how their shape is faced, the shoulder hip ratio, Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, almost interchangeable. Right. Right? Dark hair, blonde, it's all that, right? And throw out the, the Rock and Arnold and those guys. 
but generally there's this whole ratio. What you subconsciously find attractive. That's why they're always the leading men. Same with women, generally, right? And it's why for years it, it was always funny that the, the media, but well, the designers would give us these ultra skinny supermodels that I can't tell you one guy that ever found them attractive. Wow, interesting. You know, it's like, you might say, well, they're pretty in the face, but they're a scarecrow, right? right? And when you really look, clothes. yeah. And you know that even subconsciously as a theater director, theater people, you'll tend to cast people that look a certain way in certain roles, mm -hmm. right? And, and it's, it's just subconscious. And the people that know how to use that can, can really leverage it. And that's what, when you, you know, so when you say people are, you know, doing that. So as human beings in this soup of control that has been like prodding us in the reptilian brain, in the non-logical, I'm so scared, I'm so horny, I'm so whatever, I'm not thinking, that, you know, we've become a little zombified. I mean, how, how do I check myself for that? How do I get out of that state and back into a position where I can actually assess the information in front of me? Yeah, well, it's a good question, great question. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I use what they call the hierarchy of thought model when I'm teaching stuff, right? And a, friend, a guy I know kind of came up with it. And what it is, and it's based in a couple of things. Excuse me. And it's based in, you have basically three levels of thought, right? The first level of thought is the level one is you're in the experience. When you're really in an experience, you're not thinking about anything else, right? When you're in the experience, like when you're really hungry, you'll only think about food right? You're in the experience. You can't think of anything else, especially a, a, an emotional experience. If you're really angry, you're angry. And then when somebody says, calm down. Yeah, we all know how well that works, right? You're in the experience. You're, you're locked in, right? And all you can do is think about it. Um, and the next level of thought is you do pull back a little bit and you begin to think about, am I really hungry? Or, or am, I, am I not hungry? Am I bored? Am I something else? Am I angry. Uh, you know, I've had a fight with my spouse, whatever it is. So you pull back. That's the second level of, 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 of thought. And then the third level of thought is you're thinking about thinking. I think I'm having the thought I'm angry or I'm hungry or right. I'm fearful. When you pull back, then you see things differently, right? And I'm not making judgments on the levels of thought. When you're in an emotion, that's a great thing. If you're an actor, an actress, a dancer, a singer, you damn well, when you're in the experience, you're in the experience. Mm -hmm. right? And you're really into it. You're in the moment, as we would say on the stage, right? And this and that. It takes years, I, I think, for actors to learn how to be in the moment, but yet track it. Right. Right. But anyway, that's, that's another thing. So you're in the moment. So, but right now, and, and, and if people get into certain experiences, anger, fear, resentment, you, you're locked, you know? Logic goes out the window. Rational thought goes out the window right? So you're in the experience. Just like, again, when you're really, really hungry, you know, we, it's, it's a classic technique to teach people when you're, if you do mindless eating, you're over in the refrigerator, especially if you ever say to yourself, what's good? Mm. That should let you know you're not hungry. Because if you're really hungry, you'll open up, you'll go, whatever's there, you'll start to eat, right? But if you just pull back, it's that old pull back and think, am I really hungry? Or is it just because I'm bored or this or that? Like in the old anger, they still teach it in anger management. That's the old count to 10. 
Mm-hmm. Take a deep breath, pull back, and they say pull back and count to 10. Okay? And when you pull, what you need to do is pull out of the experience, then you can judge it. Here, here's a story. It kind of makes sense. I was uh, uh, at working at an uh, alcohol and drug treatment center, and there was a guy there who kept relapsing, right? Kept going back out and drinking. Anyway, he's sitting there. We had an AA meeting come in, and he's sitting there, and he's talking about one day it was hot outside, and all I could see, and he did this with his hands, all I could see was a good cold beer. It was, that beer was like this big. I could just, with the foam on the top and the ice, and the way he was describing it made me thirsty, and I hadn't had a drink in like 25 years, right? But he's describing it, right? And some old guy, it wasn't a counselor, goes, son, son, when that happens to you, first thing you got to do is pull back and put that drink in its proper perspective, mm. right? And I'm sitting there going, damn, that's good, right? He's doing a pull, up, pull out of the experience, pull back, and he leaned back, going, and then see that drink for what it really is. And son, what happens when you drink? The last time you drank, you got in trouble, ended up here. Now you're here. If you drink again, that's going to happen to you. So it was like in a big 12-step world is think the drink through, mm-hmm. right? And it's pull out of these things and then decide, should I do this or should I not, right? And... That's what we see going on in the world right now. People are caught up in the emotion, whether it's anger, fear, resentment, uh, whatever's going on, and they can't pull back and make a, and those that are pulled back, you know, uh, are questioned, and then they use the classic shame, guilt, and remorse, shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. Don't you care about people? Right. You know? Right. That to me is one of the most insidious things about the social programming that's been going mm -hmm. on is it's becoming increasingly aware, uh, apparent to me that all of the good things we want to be have been used as smoke screens for all of the evil things that need to go away. So it's really confusing. You know, it's like, well, are you a racist? Well, are you a sexist? Are you an ageist if you think it's okay for, you know, old people to die of the flu like they do every year? Um, and you just you start reeling because oh, yeah. the answer is like, that's the wrong question. But well, And it's like, yeah, we could go back a few years, like when Barack was running and being in theater, I was much more active in community theater then. People were asking me, I said, no, nah, I'm not going to vote for him. Oh, you're a racist. And I'm like, no, it's not really. I just, he, he's a, he, he's been in the Senate two years. You know, he has no, hey, yeah. And, and, but, uh, oh. and then I look like the bad guy, like you just said. Right. And same with like we see now with the social programming going, you're just selfish. You're just selfish. Don't you feel guilty? And I was, what is wearing a mask got to do with, with me being, you know, and then, and then when you try to use logic back, sometimes they'll go, they'll crack the, the dog thing, right? Because someone was doing this to me and I went, well, you know, taking your thought, if life is the most precious thing in the world, we should have surrendered on December 7th, 1941. Right. We should have just gave Germany and Japan whatever they want, surrender, get, split the country up like in that, the movie they did on TV or, you know, the one where the Germans and the Japs won because, you know, we lost a million people in that war. Yeah. And heaven forbid, you know, like 80, 100 million worldwide. We could have stopped all that. Right. Yeah. And then they went, well, uh, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm like, well, technically, yeah. if you pull back out of the situation and think about it, that's pretty. <laughs> right. You hit on something really important here that I, I think a whole lot of people have been encountering is that we're pretending to have logical arguments 
but it's really all emotional, like hormone squirting at each other. Because, um, you know, it sounds logical. People will endlessly repeat the, the supposed reason we should all be wearing masks. It's like, it's, dude, it's not that we don't understand your logic. It's just that we understand it to be wrong. But you can't, nobody is going to be convinced by hearing the truth when they're all flared up in this hindbrain ganglial response. So what I've pulled back to is that to actively um, fan the fires of peace and that loving response. I mean, what do we actually have in common? You know, we do, we value our community. We value, I mean, you know, what are, how, how do we, how do you get yourself back into that state if you're out of the habit? Yeah, and, and yeah, it's fascinating, right? Because you get in there and like, I don't know how many times I've typed responses like on our lovely Facebook, then I delete because <laughs> it's like, Love to delete is, <laughs> you know, um, right. But, uh, and I'm, and every once in a while I find one that makes sense to me, you know, um, and then I'll just use that. Like the one lately I've been using is, you know, according to the constitution, we have certain God given inalienable rights. Mm -hmm. If the government can suspend those rights due to a crisis, they're not a right, they're a permission. So the Constitution does not say you have certain inalienable permissions grant based on what the government deems, you know, whatever. Right. And that one, that one's worked on some people. They'll go, really? I never, I go, well, a right means I can do it. Mm -hmm. You know, a permission means I need your permission. But anyway, uh, but yeah, I've been trying to do that. Just step back and just, you know, what's the old the old saying, you know, uh, uh, you always lose an argument when you when you argue with someone that already believes they're right. right? And you believe you're right. I believe I'm right. So it's like there's nothing to discuss. Just let, let it alone, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And I think in the last 40 years, uh, we've lost the ability to disagree. Yeah, that, that concerns me. And, it, and that's what I said. Like, you're a terrible person because you don't agree with whatever this is. No, it's just we disagree, mm -hmm. you know. And, you know, like you say, they, now we sound old. They long, some people long for the days when, you know, Reagan's, I'm, I'm not saying I'm like Reagan necessarily, but Reagan and Tip O'Neill, two ends of the spectrum, you know, they were good buddies. They would disagree on all kinds of things, but they would play golf. They would have coffee. There was none of this, you know, uh, uh, my way or the highway. Yeah, and that, that's where the truth comes from. That's why a bird has two wings. I mean, we've gotten used to talking as if it would be better if there was only one, whichever one I like. And that's the definition of something that's going to die real fast yeah. because it's incoherent. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it seems like that's our only holistic way out of this. What kind of techniques could you share for somebody who wants to calm their freaking brain down? Well, um, do I, I constantly been saying to myself, it's an old thing and it, it's like a mantra. It's like, do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? Mm -hmm. Do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? And I'd rather be happy. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't want to argue with people because then I have to prove I'm right. And I know my mindset. Oh, I want to jump on that train. 
but so I'm trying not to get on the train, you know, and I, and it's the old, like you say, I pull back out of the situation and go, Hey, everybody has a right to be wrong. I may be wrong. And in, in a year or two, I may find out, whoo, you weren't even close, son. That, you know, we don't know. Only history will tell, right? So I need to pull back and just, like you say, open my energy up and try to imagine these, these other people, you know, in their core, where, what did Kennedy say? We all want the same things. Right. We want a better life for our families. That's basically it. That's in our DNA. We're trying to survive and do a better life for our families and our communities. And we can disagree, you know, and I think to pull back out of the, out of the experience, when I'm in the experience, is tough to pull back and go, you know, why is this upsetting me so? Why is this? And ask myself those questions. Because the other good thing about asking yourself questions uh, is your brain has to answer it. Your brain wants to answer a question one way or the other. And it's the old, how important is this? You know, when a lady yelled at me at, at, at was at Walmart, I think. And, you know, I don't, I'm skipping down the thing, going down the aisle, like the thing. I'm going down the aisle the wrong way. Don't have a mask, no gloves. Yeah, like double mask, goggles, gloves. Yeah. Don't you care? And I'm like, very much. God love you. Right. Blessings and peace be upon you. Yeah. <laughs> And she didn't know how to respond to that. You know, it's like yeah. blessings and peace be respected. But yeah. yeah, that's been really important for me is like proactively not going out in the world unless I'm consciously going with this aura of loving kindness because people are scared. And that's really more important than the fact that they're acting crazy. It's like if they're scared, they need comfort. And if I can give that by being in my peace, so be it. Well, you know, and, and when, when this was really getting started, I ran to, I had to go to the uh, uh, pet store to buy some bird food. Anyway, I get the bird food and I'm coming, because we got like two dogs, a cat, two horses, it's crazy around here. So anyway, I'm coming around the corner with this bird food and there was a lady there and she had a big mask on, she had goggles, she had double gloves, you know, I mean, it was totally covered. And I thought it was amusing, but I turned the corner and I see her and she, when she looked at me, Something happened that shifted me, and I'm trying to carry that forward. She did not have fear in her eyes. She had abject terror. Abject terror. I've seen that in other people's eyes, right, right? In, yeah. in certain situations, right? And uh, it's like, and I know I've probably had it, you know? And it's like, and, you know, because she was that, and she looked at me, and then she wanted to step back, but then she looked. There was a person, that, oh, you know, in line in front of her, and she, so I stepped back, and I just, I smiled, and, and that, and it was like, Rather than go like, try to argue or even say anything, I just wished her the best because I know what it's like to be in terror. Yeah, I know what that feeling is like. And maybe underneath, maybe she was one of the people that had a, a compromised immune system, mm -hmm. but nobody was there to buy her. I saw she had cat food. She had to go buy her cat food. And mm -hmm. so then I went, well, God, even if she's scared, at least she's good feeding her cat. Right. You know? And so it shifted my, I can tear up thinking so I need to have that same empathy. You know, it's like the guy that said, you know, when his wife said, there's a spider here and he caught it and put it outside. She goes, why didn't you just kill it? And, and he goes, because one day I may be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. And I hope rather than kill me, they just put me out where I need to be. Yeah. So that's yeah, kind of what I'm carrying in my head. Yeah. And the, the, Except roaches. I step on roaches. <laughs> no compassion for those guys. <laughs> Mm -mm. <laughs> they're gonna win anyway yes they were here before us they'll be here 
<laughs> giant roaches lumbering. Maybe that's what comes next. Oh. So oh, where was I going with that? Um, you, you got me totally in my lizard brain with the giant roaches. Now I can't think about <laughs> anything else. <laughs> and that's kind of what's going on is that on both sides of this artificial conflict that we're having is this life and death terror. Like the people who are afraid of the disease are really afraid that you're going to kill them. I mean, I had my Amazon guy give me that look when I realized he'd given me the wrong package. And he, he's like inside his car with a mask on going, ah, because I'm knocking on the window to say, dude, you want this back because it's not mine. And then, you know, when, once he realized there was something normal going on, he clicked into his doing my job mode and he wasn't scared anymore. Um, but on the other side, you know, the tinfoil hat crowd is saying, if we don't wake these people up, we're going to be locked in our houses until eternity. And whoa, have you seen the dark pictures in my mind of what's coming? So everybody's got the same like bugaboo going on in the background. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's easy to get caught up in that. It's easy to get caught up in that. And, and like you say, it's just pull back and try to, you know, get a bigger picture to go meta, as we would call it. There you go. So, okay, so from a totally other direction, am I remembering this wrong? Because I remember back when I was at the players working in the costume department, I spent a lot of time tidying up the, the costumes and the fabric loft. And sometimes I'd be up tidying in the loft when there was a, an event going on down on stage because we would rent the stage to people. And at one time, I believe this was an NLP event, and somebody's talking about these uh, things you can do with your fingers that reprogram your mental processes. Oh. Am I thinking about something different? No, 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 no. It's, a, it's an anchoring technique. And what okay. you do is, you know, you, you take a finger, and that's where you could put a, 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 a thought process you want to start to install. Okay. So let's you know, use like, this to install that peace and love that makes sense. Let's give, give yeah. it, let's, let's do this. Yeah. So what you do is access, close your eyes and access feeling peace and love and letting other people be other people, just letting other people be other people, but you can love their core and they can love your core. Right. And as you're thinking that just that peace and love kind of go ahead and take your thumb and touch one of your fingers. doesn't matter which one. And just kind of tap it like that finger there. You're, yeah, and just tap it and go. And imagine it actually being installed into your neurology. Imagine a little highway being installed in your brain, right? From the back of your brain to the front, going from the, where, that your back of your brain is your reptilian brain, going from that to your frontal cortex and just kind of tap it a couple times and breathe in and go, this is that you can love people just at their core, right? Good. Now open your eyes. So that'd be this one. You did your middle finger. So, so when you go out, kind of tap that a couple times, it'll start to access. But we want to add to it. Now what I want you to do is close your eyes and think about how it's so much fun to let other people be other people because that what's makes the variety of the world. You know, you come from theater. I come from theater. And you have tough guys, nice guys, gay guys, women that are this, that. It's, a, it's, a, it's everybody's every. And it's one of the reasons people are drawn to it. Nobody cares. Right. And so kind of just imagine how lovely it is to be in an environment where you can let other people be other people, whether they're fearful, terrified, this or that. Right. Good. Good. And then now kind of go back and forth between the two fingers, kind of tap the two fingers and go, you can love people for who they are because you're also letting them be who they want to be. 
So if you just kind of do that a couple of times and breathe in, it'll help center and ground you. And also underneath it, as you're imagining these pathways in your mind, imagine you want the same qualities. You know, you know, there's, there's fundamentalist Baptists that believe anything we talk about this stuff is like heretic. <laughs> so I like, you know, so yeah. So yeah, that it's like placing things on your fingers. And the, the trick is you got to reinforce it a few times. Mm -hmm. right. Interesting. Right. Yeah, because there's, I mean, there's so much, you know, I call this show Into the Mystic, and I, I, I talk about the mystic as being the place backstage at the human experience, where you realize what the rules behind the rules are, and where you meet with your tech crew, and the support crew, and um, yeah, if we are a machine that can be programmed, programming yourself on purpose makes a, makes a whole lot of sense. Oh, yeah, because most of your programming in psychology did get this right. Most of it happens when you're a little kid before you have any conscious differentiation whether this is right or wrong. Right. You know, that's where people grow up with like money's evil or you're sure this is terrible. And then, then later on, they have all the, the negative effects from it. Mm -hmm. So is there a similar, uh, you know, is there a similar way to use this technique to like set an alert for when an unexamined belief is coming on it's like hey you know if i start flaming up without thinking let me know yeah uh yeah you could uh yeah yeah i'm trying to think of the best way to do it is uh well you know what you have you have a thing in your mind right you have this place in your mind where things used to be true and now is not Right, and 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 you can look at it a fact that's like you used to work at the players, now you don't. Right, it's just so if you think about that in your mind, it'll take some kind of when you think of the players, it'll take some kind of spatial arrangement. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's behind you to the left. That just used to be true, and now it's not. Right, right, great. And uh, and so then you also have an area of your mind where things are true for you. You live where you live. Your current phone number, your current car. You like it's somewhere else, right? And so it begins to happen. We forget that we have the neuroplasticity to move things in our head. Mm -hmm. So when you have a belief come up that you go, is what the, they always say, the big question is, is it useful? Is this belief serving me? Right. You know, thinking that, you know, whatever it is, if you raise a certain environments, you're like, you know, these certain people are bad. Is this a useful behavior to me or a useful belief? And if it is, keep it, you know, if it's serving you, I guess. But if it's not, you know, um, one of my beliefs is I think you should work hard. You know, hey, is that a useful belief? I think it kind of is. I get, a, I usually get a lot done. But if I had a belief I wanted to get rid of, you know, and then I can see it, what if I put it into that mind? It's no longer true for me, mm -hmm. right? At one point in my life, I couldn't imagine not drinking, right? And, and now it's just not who I am anymore. I can't deny my 16 years of, doo -doo -doo, you know, and, and everything. And I can let, and, and it doesn't bother me when I see, people having a good party we've been at a few and people are having and it's like fine it's like you know that's not who i am anymore so when you see one of those beliefs that's a magic command when you see that and go that's not really who i am anymore mm -hmm. you know i remember i had to do this in the play we were in together because you know i've been doing theater for all those 30 years or whatever and we did that play but rarely did i ever sing i usually played the comic or i dance or i do this and suddenly I, now i gotta sing and i had to keep thinking no, no, I can do this. I can do this. I can I'm the do guy who sings. I'm the guy. I'm yes. 
yeah, that's not, the guy that's afraid of it, that's not who I am anymore. You know, I'm not Pavarotti, <laughs> but <laughs> I'll hit most of the notes. <laughs> exactly, with gusto. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Cool. So anything else you've been chewing on that you feel is important to share in this, in this time of massive reprogramming? Well, and, and, and also, too, because, uh, in fact, tomorrow I'm doing a talk on empaths, right? How this is really whacked out empaths. They're affected the most because you feel too much for other people. You know, in our community, in the acting community, actors are really kind of whacked out over this because actors, a lot of actors are very empathic. That's, you want to do the characters. You want to step into the, to the feeling. And so I've been thinking a lot about that. Some of the people that are so impacted with depression and, 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 and my fear is suicide and all the things that could happen because you're, you're taking in all this pain you know, and so, you know, we need to help, and I'm empathic, my wife's really empathic, and she doesn't want to go out into public now, it drives her crazy, because yeah. she, she senses all that fear, and she goes, you know, it doesn't seem to bother you as much, you're empathic, and I go, yeah, but, you know, at one point in my life, I was pretty hardcore warrior type, you know, mm -hmm. so I just clicked that in my head, and it's like, whoo to do acquiring targets, no, not quite that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Love bomb. <laughs> so yeah, I've been thinking about. I feel I feel empathy for the empaths. How's that sound? Yeah, that works. That works. You know, that's something that I've been working on because I've been in that trap, um, kind of both ways. When you get overloaded with emotion, it's easy to feel like the only way out is to feel nothing. You know, when you become numb and people become your enemies because their their scary, dangerous emotions are gonna wash over you just you know just like the germs that people are scared of and what I came to is changing my definition of compassion from feeling what you're feeling that feels bad to making a point of feeling what you could be feeling that's better it was like focusing on what, what I call my own coherence my own flow my own you know that that peace state um, knowing that the, the cutting-edge physics and, you know, the kind of things that you're talking about as well really do say that the power of my emotional state is what fuels the whole thing, is that it's not just my own brain that only works when I'm out of this, what am I scared of place, but that the, the mind that arises between us is also, you, you can entrain people into your coherence rather than being entrained by their lack of coherence. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yes. Cool. Yeah. All right. So tell us about, uh, so tell us about some of the things you have coming up. How can people engage with you and learn more? They can go to a site called NFNLP, NFNLP.com. That's Na National Federation of Neurolinguistic Programming. That I mostly, I still see clients, but I mostly train people in this, you know, how to be a hypnotist or an helper or a therapist and that. And I do a lot of talks uh, on NLP hypnosis, like I said, tomorrow at noon and the info, I don't, you could go to the website and get it. I'm doing the talk on empaths, how to help empaths in a time, time of crisis. So uh, just go to nfnlp.com and I have a lot of info, free stuff, all kinds of cool stuff. So. Wonderful. Um, so you said you've been directing. You have any plays? Well, of course, no, everything's shut down. Not right now. Well, <laughs> well I was 
yeah, I was supposed to direct one and it would have went up in June uh, where they canceled it. Now I'm set up to direct, um, uh, what's it called? Fox on the Fairway, a farce play down in Lemon Bay. At first show up. So hopefully we'll audition in July and then do it. So I'm looking forward to that and, and doing some film work. I did a few like on camera things and send it. Some people are making these hodgepodge movies using zoom and, and you send videos and they put it together. So that's, that's been kind of fun. And I'm taking a couple of online acting classes because I think people should always be studying. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not turning into something on purpose, you're turning into something by accident. Yes. It usually end well. Yeah. And I'm always looking to raise my level. And the way you raise your level is to hang out with people that expect more from you. You could be the biggest fish in a small pond, but why can't you jump into a bigger pond and learn how to be a bigger fish? <laughs> nice. So, I like that. You know, so. I like that. Cool. <coughs> Excuse me. Choke me up. It's so beautiful. Uh, so thank you so much for hanging out with me on a, on a Monday morning. I really appreciate it. Um, Many All right. And hopefully we can play together again. All right. Talk to you soon. Yes. Bye. So sending out again the wave of coherency that holds our intention. The one thing we all want is to be whole. And let that be what is accomplished through this time that we have together. Thank you so much for trusting me with an hour of your time. If you want to find out more about the sound healing work that I do, about the Human Experience Quick Start Guide, my 44-page book with everything I know, and half of those pages are pictures, or to uh, get your Declaration of Sovereignty, which is very important in these confusing times, you can visit me at KayleenMacaw.com. Thank you for your time in the mystic backstage at the human experience where all the good stuff happens.